0: So we've come to the end of a journey together, six weeks through the Beatitudes, and I kind of feel like we at least deserve a pat on the back or a round of applause because that's been a lot of time in the Beatitudes. (laughs) Yay, you! Uh, Alexander Shia wrote that the Beatitudes are to be a walking staff and a guide for the arduous road ahead. So while we're at the end of a journey, we're also at the beginning of a journey as well. Our uh, scripture lesson today is from the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel. But before we hear the Beatitudes in in full, in length, I'm going to invite you to stand and let's recite the Shema together. The Shema is a prayer that Jesus would have prayed every day, but especially before the scriptures were proclaimed. We attempt the Hebrew because it's the language that Jesus would have heard the Shema in. So let's recite this prayer together. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbors as yourself. Our scripture passage is the first 12 verses of chapter 5 of Matthew, Because it's so familiar to you, I'm going to invite you to read it with me. Let's read it together. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. You can have a seat. Up until just recently, there was a shop in my neighborhood just down the street from my house that was called Bless Your Heart. It was a gift shop for women. There were cards and jewelry and uh, some clothing and shoes, stuff you don't need, but you want. I lived, I've lived in Texas and Georgia. I've lived in the South all my life. And so I know what is meant when a Southern lady says, bless your heart. It means poor you, right? It means you just shared a little too much and I'm uncomfortable and I'm certainly not going to reciprocate. I'm keeping my mask on, poor you, bless your heart. It's hard for me to imagine Jesus taking this stance with people. He is teaching the Beatitudes to a very burdened group. They may just have shared too much. Chapter 4 of Matthew's Gospel says that the crowd that followed him, there's a crowd that followed him, and the crowd brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those who were suffering in severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. This isn't a group that surrounds Jesus of curious, healthy, wealthy people who are just coming to see if what is spoken resonates with them. These are people who want and really need help. These are people who are in pain. After six weeks of considering the Beatitudes, I've rewritten them with what I've learned, and I want you to hear those blessings, these blessings today. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes just for a minute, and as I speak these blessings, would you see which one rests on you, which one is for you? Blessed are those who can't catch their spiritual breath. Blessed are those who reach a definite end and they admit that they can't go back. Blessed are those who are humble enough to know when to use their strength and when not to use their strength. Blessed are those who lead the effort to set things right with mercy. Blessed are those who resist the clutter of this world and they work for wholeness. Blessed are those who suffer. Blessed are you when you suffer in your attempt to follow Jesus. Amen. You can open your eyes. The Greek word that is repeated in the Beatitudes as blessed is the word makarios. Makarios means privileged. It means fortunate. It means well-off and happy and okay. And the thing of it is, these Beatitudes... Turn the world upside down. Those that we would look at and think poor you, well, they can just be the most fortunate among us. It's hard to believe, but I've seen it happen. I know, I know a fortunate saint whose marriage ended with blame and anger. It wasn't pretty. Who now celebrates the Thanksgiving holiday with grown children, grandchildren, new spouse, ex-spouses, and their significant others all around one holiday table. Every year, that's the way they celebrate Thanksgiving. It's hard to believe. I know a fortunate saint whose daughter died a young adult. Cancer. Cancer. Who it seems to me is usually on the lookout for other women who would be about her age that he can support and encourage. It seems this way to me because I think that I'm one of those privileged women. I know a saint well off whose father took his own life when she was 10 years old. The saint now rests in the throne of the matriarch of the family. She's in her 90s. She's a proud mother and grandmother and great-grandmother of many courageous offspring. It's hard to believe. And yet what I know, what I know to be true, is that all of those people called the presence of God into their lives in the midst of difficult circumstances. And they would testify to us, that God showed up. God was there when things got hard and they called on God. Eugene Peterson rewrote the last beatitude, which you may have noticed as we read it. It's the only one written in second person. The the other beatitudes are written in third person, but the last one says you. Blessed are you. So this one is to go directly to the hearer, directly to the reader, and the original reader of Matthew was, in fact, suffering. They'd lost much in the destruction of Jerusalem, and they're facing persecution. Blessed are you when people revile you, and they persecute you, and they utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account, rejoice and be glad. And then Peterson rewrote it this way. When your commitment to God provokes persecution, it will drive you deeper into God's kingdom. And really, that's the kicker, I think. It's not only for the last beatitude, but it's all of the beatitudes drive us deeper into the kingdom of heaven. What I don't want you to hear today, today or any day, is that when you suffer, when things are difficult, that's part of God's plan. I think when people minimize suffering by saying this is God's plan, they are again refusing to take off their mask, admit their own pain, or get down in the pit with somebody who is struggling and do something about it. Kate Bowler is a Duke theologian, a cancer survivor, and she wrote the book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. She wrote that most everyone that she met while she was sick wanted to know, wanted her to know that without a doubt, there was hidden logic at play. And so when she was in, in the hospital, a neighbor came to her front door with a casserole, and her husband opened the door, and the neighbor said to her husband, everything happens for a reason. And he replied, I'd love to hear it. And the startled neighbor said, pardon? And the husband said, the reason my wife is dying I'd love to hear it. Here's what Bowler does know. What she does know about faith and God and her experience of cancer. She wrote, At a time I should have felt abandoned. I wasn't reduced to ashes. I felt like I was floating on the love and prayers of all those who hummed around me. They came like priests and they mirrored back to me the face of Jesus. When they sat beside me, my hand in theirs, my own suffering began to feel like it had revealed to me the suffering of others who, like me, are stumbling around in the debris of dreams that they thought that they were entitled to and plans that they didn't realize that they'd made. I can't speak to you of the specifics of God's plan. And I would warn you not to trust anyone who says that they can speak specifically of what God has planned, but I can certainly speak to you of God's opportunity. When the world is upside down, it's God's opportunity to reveal more of God's self to you and to me. And while it sounds strange, this is a reason to rejoice to leap up in the air for joy, to leave the ground. That's what the Beatitude says, rejoice and be glad. I spent the first part of this last week as one of just a few mentors to a group of pastor residents. And so these are people who are intending to become ordained in the United Methodist Church in 2021. So just in two years. And I entered the group remembering what it was like to be a pastor resident 22 years ago. I was part of a large group of residents. There were many of us, and we had big expectations for ministry. We had questions like, will the parsonage, Do you know what a parsonage is? (laughs) It's the house that the church provides for the pastor. So we wondered, will the parsonage be private enough or nice enough for our taste? We also wondered how we would get all of the seekers who were out there, and seekers in the 1990s were people who wanted to be in church, they just needed an invitation. So we wondered about how will we fit all these seekers into our churches who want to be there. Most of all, I think we feared how we would live up to the respect that is entrusted to a pastor. Well, things have really changed in the last 20 years. A couple of years ago, um, I had minor surgery. It was just day surgery. And the anesthesiologist before the procedure was trying to get my blood pressure down. So he started cracking jokes. And he said, I know you from somewhere. I recognize your face. Are you a judge or are you a probation officer? (laughs) No, I'm not. He said, well, what do you do? And I said, I work at a church. I'm a pastor. And he said, well, lady, you've never seen me before in your whole life. You won't be surprised to hear that the group of resident pastors that I met with this week is small. It's not a large group in number, it's a small group of people. They're small in number, but not in heart or mind. My first impression of the group was what a strong group! Wow, these people are impressive. And I think it's because at this moment in time, no one is getting into the church business to be admired or respected. The people that I met this week, they, they are answering a call in spite of the mess of the church, of the mess of the denomination or the larger faith. And you know what I'm starting to learn? What I'm starting to learn after 50 years is that when things are chaotic, when things are a mess, I'm about to see God at work in powerful ways and in clear ways. It's not the plan of God. But it is definitely the way of God that when times are tough, God shows up. God shows up. And the truth be told, when times are tough, we're looking even harder for a blessing. God shows up in clear ways. Anyone who knows the larger story of the Bible, and that would be Matthew's first readers, and Jesus and his disciples, they knew the larger story of the Bible— Anyone who knows the larger story of the Bible knows that people are always blessed to be a blessing. So we don't receive the blessing of the Beatitudes and then pack it away and keep it just for us to take out and admire when we're alone by ourselves, but we receive the blessing of the Beatitudes to carry it out. I read this week that author Kurt Vonnegut at one time said, why is it that no Christian is asking to post the Beatitudes in a courthouse or a public space? Why is it always the Ten Commandments? What about the Beatitudes? Yeah, this blessing is for other people. And so in hard times, may we all carry this very good news of blessing to a hurting world. I want to show you words from Psalm 107 and use this psalm as a response to the scripture this day. Um, Psalm 107, I'd like for us to read it responsively. So if you would read the bold, then I'll read the plain text. Would you stand as we read this responsively together? Psalm 107. Oh, thank God. God's so good. God's love never runs out. All of you set free by God. Tell the world. Tell how God freed you from oppression, then rounded you up from all over the place, from the four winds, from the seven seas. Oh, thank God, God's so good. God's love never runs out. Some of you wandered for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live, half starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Then in your desperate condition, you called out to God. Oh, thank God. God's so good. God's love never runs out. God got you out in the nick of time. God put your feet on a wonderful road that took you straight to a good place to live. So thank God for God's marvelous love, for God's miracle mercy to the children God loves. Oh, thank God. God's so good. God's love never runs out. God poured great droughts of water down parched throats. The starved and hungry got plenty to eat. Oh, thank God. God's so good. God's love never runs out. Amen.